the fourth Sunday after the Epiphany, in the year of our Lord, 2024. A reading from the Gospel according to St. Mark, the first chapter. They went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, Jesus entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority, and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Once again, the reading was from the Gospel of Mark, the first chapter, verses 21 through 28. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. (laughs) Explain your answer. Those three words can be some of the most dreaded in the English language for the middle school, high school, college, or even seminary student seeing them on a homework assignment or test. (laughs) However, the instruction is given... Explain your answer, support your answer, prove your answer, give reasons or examples for your answer, or in math, show your work. The instruction is always dreaded because it requires more work to complete the question, assignment, or test, and it presents more ways you could be marked wrong if you give the right answer but then can't explain it in a satisfactory way. Of course, even though explaining your answer required more work and potentially set you up for inaccuracy, it was always meant for good. By having to explain your answer, you were taught critical thinking skills and how to prove something as right or wrong or how to argue your opinion. By explaining your answer, you also made it easier to be corrected if you were wrong, or if there was an error, because usually the explanation showed where any mistakes were made. And by explaining your answer, you demonstrated that you were an authority on that question, problem, or subject. Now, when Jesus begins his ministry, he has no need to explain his answer if you will. That is, Jesus has no need to demonstrate or prove his authority. When he begins proclaiming the gospel of God, he doesn't need to explain why the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Because in his incarnation, he ushers in the kingdom of God. And in his ministry, he brings the gospel. When he calls his first disciples and tells them to follow him, he doesn't need to explain why 
because they immediately follow him. And when he begins teaching at a synagogue in Capernaum, he doesn't need to explain his teaching because he demonstrates his authority in the very teaching which he gives. The evangelist Mark even tells us that the people in the synagogue who heard Jesus were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority, and not as the scribes. What this means is that Jesus didn't need to prove the authority of his teaching, because he simply taught as the one uniquely ordained by God the Father to teach the scriptures. This is why the people in the synagogue were astonished, because this was different from what they were accustomed to with their scribes and teachers of the law. You see, when the Israelite teachers of the law taught scripture, they had to reference some higher authority in their teaching, such as their own teacher or a well-known teacher of the law. To illustrate this, Today, our pastors are ordained by God and called to a specific congregation where they don't have to prove the authority of their teaching by referencing a Lutheran theologian, a seminary professor, or even President Harrison in each of their sermons. But pastors simply stand in the pulpit and teach the scriptures with the authority given them by God and their congregation. So, back to Jesus, because he didn't need to prove his authority to teach, but simply taught as one who had authority, this demonstrated to the people that he was the prophet promised in Deuteronomy 18, our Old Testament reading, whom the Lord would raise up from among the Israelite people. As the promised prophet, Jesus was raised up from the Israelite tribe of Judah. As the promised prophet, Jesus spoke and taught the very words of God. And as the promised prophet, it was required that people listen to Jesus. This would have strengthened Jesus' authority to teach throughout all Israel. And when people listen to Jesus, they hear God's word, which the Holy Spirit uses to work faith in people and save them from sin and death. Today, we still listen to Jesus, God's promised prophet, and are saved from sin and death by his words as we listen to our pastors, the ones to whom Jesus has given his authority to continue teaching in his stead. Now, we've established that by his very teaching, and as God's promised prophet, Jesus didn't need to explain his answer. He didn't need to explain his teaching or prove his authority. But when an unclean spirit suddenly comes into the synagogue and eggs Jesus on by questioning, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus has no choice but to prove and demonstrate his authority. So he rebukes the unclean spirit, declaring, Be silent and come out of him. And by this command, Jesus miraculously exercises the unclean spirit from the man. 
Upon doing this, the crowd is once again amazed and declares, what is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. Thus, even though Jesus didn't need to explain his teaching and prove his authority, by this miracle, he, ju- he does just that and confirms to the crowd the authority of both his teaching and his works. And so, not only should we listen to Jesus and trust that his words give forgiveness and life, but we should also trust in his works. By trusting in Jesus' works, this means that we believe Just as he cast out the unclean spirit from the man in the synagogue, Jesus still today cleanses us of the unclean spirits that afflict us and the sins which make us unclean. It is interesting that the evangelist Mark says the man had an unclean spirit rather than an evil spirit or a demon. Certainly the unclean spirit was evil and a demon, But this goes to show that the devil and his demons are at work in the world to make us sick with the disease of sin, to make us dirty through their temptations and their perversions of our thoughts, words, and deeds, and to make us so completely unclean and unholy that we cannot even be in the presence of the pure and holy God. Yet, when we trust in Jesus' works, We know that he has the authority to make us clean and holy. And Jesus does just that. Washing us clean, casting out any unclean spirits from us, plus protecting us from them in the waters of baptism. Jesus does just that, telling us our sins and the entire disease of our sin is removed in the words of absolution. And Jesus does just that, making us clean, pure, and holy, and leading us in holiness with the body and blood of the Lord's Supper. Jesus gives his authority to these works and even gives them to us as gifts so that when we trust those works and use them, we receive forgiveness and a new, clean, sanctified life just like we receive when we listen to his words. Even further, by trusting in Jesus' works, this also means that we believe in the authority of Jesus' greatest work, his atoning death on the cross for the life of the world. As the Son of God and Son of Man, Jesus didn't need to prove that he had authority to be the Savior of the world. In fact, because Jesus is the Son of God and Son of Man. This proved his authority to die in our place and make us clean and righteous before God the Father. Even more, Jesus' sacrifice on the cross gave further authority to all his words and works and demonstrated his ultimate authority over sin and the devil. Then Jesus' resurrection from the dead on the third day proved his ultimate authority over death itself. And now, as ones who believe in the authority of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, you receive the effects of these, namely forgiveness, cleansing, release from the devil and all unclean spirits,
and new, abundant, everlasting life in the kingdom of heaven. While in school we may have been required to explain our answers, Jesus had no need to explain his teaching, nor to explain that he was God's answer to the promise of a Messiah. His authority as a teacher and as the Savior was self-evident. But by his works, especially his work on the cross, Jesus did prove the authority of his words and his works. Now, as we trust in the authority of his words and works, we no longer need to give an answer for our sins and our need for forgiveness, cleansing, and saving. Instead, we receive the benefits of his words and works, namely forgiveness, life, and salvation. Because of that, may we answer back to God and proclaim as the psalmist does, Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of splendor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Having heard the word of God, we continue by confessing our faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, you know we live in the midst of so many dangers that in our frailty we cannot stand upright. Grant strength and protection to support us in all dangers and carry us through all temptations. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. God's richest blessings to you on the week ahead.